Hello, and welcome to Talkie Talk, the podcast for the media by us.com. I'm Brent, and I'm here today with TJ. Hey! And that's it, because all our friends left us. We have no one. Uh, on today's podcast, we're going to be talking about what we've been watching this week, and then we're going to talk about uh, the news of the week in a little segment we like to call Breezy on the Streets. And then we are going to have some suggestions for what to see this weekend at your local Cinemaplex. Yes. TJ, would you like to start us off with what you've been watching? Yeah, I only watched two movies this past week. Uh, one great, one awful. One uh, is a 2017 movie. We'll start with the bad. Oh, you should have made me guess. <laughs> After? Which one do you think I like? The one I talked shit about for an hour? The one that I said was great? <laughs> trying to simplify our games here. Yeah. Uh, Chris watched it in 2017 during the suicide race of TJ and Chris for 2017 movies. And I just now called it uh, Geostorm? I've not seen Geostorm. You don't need to. I don't think I will. Yeah. It is It is very, very bad. In, 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 in so many ways that I don't really know how to describe how bad it was. Chris was right. There is no Geostorm. It never happens. You never even know what a Geostorm is. You just... That's disappointing. Seem, people seem worried about it. That's, so you try to worry with them. One of the things that made the movie Alien great, they included an alien. Yeah. Um, so what's it about? Is it just about preventing a geostorm? So it's, it was post-apocalyptic after climate change has ruined the Earth. Okay. So that's already happened. Okay. And Gerard Butler is a brilliant engineer. And that's not as bad as it sounds. Like, it's not like Denise Richards playing a... Right. Nuclear physicist or whatever. Uh-huh. He's like a, I can build stuff and good with my hands kind of guy. He's, he's real smart, but he's not like nerdy. Okay. And he builds this thing called the Dutch Boy, named after the boy who was stopped, from the Netherlands. Stopped, no, yeah. And stopped the flood with his finger by plugging the hole. That's okay. like an old fairy tale. Um, and it's essentially a grid of satellites in space that balance out the weather on Earth. So this like so post apocalyptic, but would they still have maintained some technology? It sounds like post apocalyptic in the way that if they didn't do this thing, the world would have ended, and okay. now the world is fine. Oh, the world's back to it's back, back to, being to fine. Good. We're so in the future. Dutch boy's been doing its thing for a while. Gotcha. Um, there's some heavy politics involved in the beginning that I didn't really understand about how the U.S. is going to build it and then like sell part of it to NATO, and that's kind of the plot of the movie. Ed Harris plays. Like, the president's right-hand man, maybe chief of staff. Mm-hmm. It's just disappointing to hear Ed Harris is in this movie, because I'm just like, Ed Harris doesn't have, like, he doesn't have, like, decades more of movie making, so kind of want him to pick the best things he can. Andy Garcia plays the president. It's got a good cast, yeah. like, on paper. But, man, it, it the, the Geostorm, spoiler alert to Geostorm, uh, they end up firing uh, Gerard Butler's character. Because he looked kind of like a rogue scientist. And he's uh-huh. the one who created this whole system that saved the world. He's a celebrity at the beginning of the movie. He saved the world. And uh, they have to go get him back because it's broken. But you find out Ed Harris has actually like weaponized it. So that's an original thought. And uh, he's going to blow up all the blow up all the cabinet members and the president and a bunch of other stuff. So he can be president. <laughs> but oh man, Gerard Butler's little brother, I don't know his name is works for Ed Harris and finds out. He's the guy who played the lead in Across the Universe. Oh, Jim something. What's that guy's name? The guy who just looked, he's got a super British haircut. Mm-hmm. That guy. Yep. Yeah. His wife is a Secret Service agent, so she helps him by like shooting bullets around at the Democratic National Convention. <laughs> and then they kidnap the president. So what sounds like it's going to... So people bought tickets to this expecting like a, a disaster movie. Yeah, expecting like... And it sounds more like, like a... Deep impact. It sounds more like a bad political thriller. Yeah, there's almost no science fiction in the movie. They talk about it. And Gerard Butler's not there for any of it. He's in space the whole time. He goes back to space to help fix it and he's just stuck in space. He's not... I wouldn't even call him the main character. He'd call He'd like fourth build. It was very odd. It is very strange. I gave it one star. It was really hard to follow. I had to rewind it many times just to try to keep up. It was bad. I don't think they were really anticipating anybody trying to keep up. 
True. I'm not their target audience. <laughs> Good point. Well, I watched a great movie. Went to theaters and saw the new release. Sorry to bother you. It expanded. Oh, yeah. One of the more interesting looking movies of the year. It is the most interesting movie I've seen probably this century. <laughs> probably the craziest movie I've seen this century. Crazier than Mother. For sure. That's a lot of crazy. It is fucking ridiculous, man. I mean, I need people to see it because yeah. I can't talk about it, really. Mm-hmm. Aside from what you know from the trailers, which is like 25% of the movie. So, I mean, I'll spoil one thing that was a shock for me that Army Hammer is in the movie. I did not know he was in it. Mm. Kills it, though. He's incredible. Yeah, I'm... He made, he made a turn for me. I was yeah. not an Army Hammer fan, but he's been killing it lately. I wasn't either, but yeah. I mean, call me by your name. He was so good in that movie. Excellent. So good. Yeah, so I don't really know what to talk about. I want to... I need somebody else to see it, or I'm happy to, like, field questions, but it's a crazy-ass movie. It was Boots Riley's directorial debut. He had done a lot of uh, music videos and stuff, so it doesn't seem like it's a true directorial debut. Uh, right. We've had a few of those this year, like John Krasinski had his directorial debut. And it is, but you just assume, like, he's... I'm sure he directed episodes of The Office at some point. Yeah. Didn't come about it the same way, like, a Tarantino probably did. Right. Yeah. Um, this guy's super well respected. Everybody knows what he does. And knows who he is. Could you sense any influence? Like, cause yeah. a diff- like, could you see that, like, because he directed music videos, he just has a different way of looking at... No, it came, well, came more across as, like, oh, this guy's a crazy student of film. Oh, cool. Like, lots of weird influence. Like, little horror elements here or there. Like, heavy Tarantino. Um, like, even, like, Paul Thomas Anderson kind mm-hmm. of just, like, really well-framed shots that take a sudden turn. You know how PTA does that sometimes? Where yeah. it'll be like kind of calm and then shit goes crazy all of a sudden. Right. Kind of without warning. Did he write it as well? Yeah. Nice. Yeah, apparently it's been his like, his Don Quixote. Like, he's been working on this his, for a while. His he doesn't know if he wants to do this anymore. Oh. <laughs> he just wanted to make this movie. Yeah. Um, do you, uh, now I can't, I think I would guess from the trailers, but I don't know, would you call it a, is it just a, is it a comedy? Is it a drama? Is it a, a, a weird mix of, a, like, strong moments of both? Or... It's... I, I would imagine it's definitely it's a socially... Satire top. Socially minded movie. Yeah. That's um, satirical. Yes. It's it's definitely a comedy. Okay. Um, but the way he plays with that, there are jokes that I feel like white people laugh at that black people will probably be offended by, and vice versa. It was um, very interesting. I think it's going to be inevitably compared to Get Out in just because of the first time writer director and some of the just the fact that it's a, a satire of of race related that at least that's what I get I gather from the uh, from the trailers. Yeah, that's definitely possible. Is it more more comedy or less comedy? Much more. Much more. Cool. But you definitely recommend people go see this movie. Yeah, if you're a friend of mine, definitely go see it. But maybe not for everybody. Well, you know, sometimes I recommend movies regardless of whether I think people like them or not. This needs to be seen by people who enjoy movies. Yeah, that's what I'm getting at. Like, yeah. you might, it might not work for everybody, it's what it sounds like. But right. it's definitely more interesting than Geostorm. Much, much more interesting than Geostorm. <laughs> Anybody on Earth can go see this over Geostorm, and it'll be it'll be good. Do you watch any TV or play anything? I'm uh, getting through Glow season two. Mm. I know your wife watched it. And yeah, liked it a lot. Chris is a fan. Chris is a big fan. Kelly's a big fan. Yeah, it's really good. It's super fun. The music's great. I love Mark Marin. In that role, it kind of got shut out with the Emmy nominations. I don't know; it's just a really fun show, and I love what Netflix is able to do with like twenty-minute episodes, forty-minute episodes, whatever we feel like. We're prepared to pick a story; we're going to tell it. Nice. I should probably check that out. I'm sure I'd like it. It's you never watched the first season, right? No, it's on a list of like I don't know about three hundred TV shows that I feel like I need to watch. And yeah, and this is a quick one, man. You can really mark it off the list quick. And kind of from somebody who like kind of doesn't enjoy '80s culture and hates wrestling. <laughs> For me to think it's great is a testament. I mean, it's not about... That's true. It's not about wrestling, but I'm really not a fan of like 80s movies in general. I mean, mm-hmm. there are some masterpieces, but 
I'm not going to go watch Breakfast Club because I love the soundtrack. You know uh, what I mean? Gotcha. Yeah, I'd definitely recommend Glow absolutely to anybody, too. It's fun for most ages. Cool. Well, I'll go. Yeah, what'd you watch? I watched a few movies. This is kind of going to be all over the place. Uh, I started with the best movie I watched all week. It was the second time I had watched it. First time, didn't really register with me, didn't really stay with me all that strongly, but I finally really sat down for a good watch of Godfather Part 2. So, where does it rank in your Godfather? I've been thinking about that this week, and I think I can absolutely see why some people rank it higher than the first. I rank the first Godfather a little higher, but they're both great movies. So, can I... I Publicly, I own this. I've never seen a Godfather 2. I have only saw the first Godfather for the first time, just before the podcast started a couple years ago. So, some questions from a novice. Uh, Al Pacino, better or worse than... First one or two. I think so. I think Al Pacino is better in two. I think Michael's story is more interesting in one because he starts off as the I don't really want to be a part of this family or, or not not family. He wants to be a part of the family, but I don't want to be a part of this the criminal life family. Right? Yeah. The quote unquote family. Right. By two, he doesn't really go under as quite as much character development in in the in the second movie. So. I like Michael's story more in the first Godfather, but uh, I think Al Pacino's performance as as just as a fully established Don in Part Two is quite good. Okay, um, and I think he was nominated for Best Actor for that movie. Um, I believe so. It got three Best Supporting Actor nominations: De Niro, Duvall. Who else? Actually, I'm not sure if Duvall. Oh really? Was nominated for this one. I think it was. Uh, it was definitely the, the the guy who plays. Oh uh, yeah, it was De Niro, Michael Gazzo, Gazzo. Who did he play? The actors' names I'm not as familiar with. Sure. I think he's probably the family member. Frank Pintangeli. Yeah. yeah, he's uh, he's a member of the. So well, I'll tell you what the second one's about in general, and that is early in the movie there's an attempt on Michael's life, uh-huh. and. Basically, it's about him sorting out who was behind it. He suspects that he has met with a few people at the beginning of the movie, and you could see how possibly it could be any of them. There's basically it's him realizing that there's a lot to a lot that a lot of people can gain from his death, and he starts trying to put together, uh, you know, is it my new business partner? Is it this dissatisfied? family member who's running things in New York because Michael has moved the entire Corleone family, or at least the core of the family, to Vegas Okay, the second movie. Because that's where they're going to set up. They're going to be no, there's running of that in the first one. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And it's just sort of how he kind of put tries to put together like whoever it is that's behind it and then second of all, how they were able to get so close to him from the beginning. And it's kind of putting putting all that together. And meanwhile, a secondary story is being told. It's really two movies in one that you're watching. One is shorter. The Robert De Niro uh, prequel story in it is is about, much, about how Vito came to the. Mm-hmm. It's it's the story. It starts when Vito is like a little boy, maybe nine years old, and then it's about him. What caused him to leave Italy? He came to America. His name is Vito. He's from Corleone. It's Vito Andolini. Yeah, I got that right at a trivia game one night without seeing the movies. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, where is, where is Vito Corleone from? And I was like, oh no. <laughs> I only know two things associated with Vito Corleone. Vito and Corleone. <laughs> um, but yeah, it's, it's really good. It's sort of about him, his first, well, his first taste of the mafia life is in Italy. And it's... You would think it would sour him, but then he gets to America and he just sort of sees how some local mobster is basically running a neighborhood, but not in a way that Vito approves of. And it's kind of about him. You can kind of... And it, I think it's a great prequel for the first Godfather movie because you definitely see in the first one how Vito cares about his community around him. He cares about the Italian-Americans that mm-hmm. immigrated there. And... Uh, he kind of puts puts their well-being above sometimes, like, the family's business at times. Like, if somebody comes to him with a problem, he will 
he takes care of it because he wants these uh, his fellow Bazanas to be uh, um, to be happy and successful. But um, I think it's a very good prequel for that. Um, but I don't know. There's something about the first movie that's a, a simpler story that um, is about. I think something bigger than a simple assassination attempt, even though it involves an assassination attempt in the first one. Right. But, I don't know. A couple, couple more questions, one. just since we're talking about a sure. probable top ten movie of all time. Mm-hmm. Um, the other Oscar nominee I'm just curious about was Lee Strat- Strasberg, who played Hyman Roth. He plays a uh, Jewish businessman who uh, Michael is, is uh, going into business with in Miami. Who's your favorite out of those three, De Niro? Um, actually, De Niro's really good, but I actually, I'm, I, De Niro's also tough because he's, he's an American speaking Italian right. for the entirety of his role, but, um, I really like, uh, not Hyman Roth, but the, uh, the Frank, the guy who played Frank. Okay, Michael Gatso. Yeah, that's actually who I might have voted for in that nice. movie. Um, that's fun. He is... He's he's really good in every scene. He is just a uh, tour de force in every scene he's in. Uh, a couple other things I just know the movie is kind of held in high esteem for. Um, the art direction was supposed to be really good. And The Godfather 2, did anything jump out at you? Or is it the kind of art direction where it's like, just really good and it's, you don't notice it? It's just really good. It's, yeah, I mean, it's it's it didn't stand out to me, but at the same time, it's, it's uh, everything about both those movies to me feels completely authentic and that to me is good art direction that's why they won things like that and like costume design and mm-hmm. just because they were so sound mm-hmm. have you read the book no is the book I'm not know? entirely sure I don't know either I'm not entirely sure to check that out mm-hmm. I've got it it's on my bookshelf I've just never I don't think I do never read it bought it at Goodwill it's a good Goodwill buy yeah. you see it and you're like okay yeah I'm like, I might want to read that at some point I'll spend the dollar fifty on right. it yeah all right, cool. What else to see? Uh, everything else is going to pale in comparison. Um, <laughs> well, that's the norm. <laughs> when you watch a Godfather movie. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I watched the 1989 movie called The January Man. And this is a a movie that sounds like it should be right up my alley. It's a... Uh, Bad reviews, right? Serial killer movie. Uh-huh. Um, which, I love that genre. I love the genre of cops looking for serial killers. And it's uh, it's got a great cast: Kevin Klein, Susan Sarandon. Unfortunately, very little of the movie is about the hunt for the serial killer, which was frustrating, <laughs> considering the title of the movie refers to the serial killer. Um, it's like Geostorm. Yeah, needed more January Man. Turns out Harvey Keitel plays a uh, police chief. Rod Steiger's in it as a uh, as the mayor. Alan Rickman's in this movie. As, uh... After Die Hard, too. Yeah. Um, Danny Aiello is a is a police captain. Boy. I would almost recommend this just for how bad it is. Really? That bad? Yeah. Uh, Roger Ebert called it one of the worst movies of all time. Mm-hmm. I don't understand why Susan Sarandon's character is even in the movie. Nice. So, Kevin Klein plays a firefighter who used to be a police detective. Uh, who was in love with Susan Sarandon. Susan Sarandon wound up marrying his brother, Harvey Cattell, who is a, also a police, uh, the police commissioner. There's this unsolvable serial killer case, which won't even get into how basic the solving of this case winds up becoming, <laughs> but I was underwhelmed when this genius Kevin Klein had to, when he finally put it all together, it was just like, oh, it was pretty simple. It reminded me of in, uh, in Rounders, when oh, yeah. John Malkovich's tell is just he eats an Oreo every time he's bluffing. Sweet tell, bro. Yeah. Like, it was... My three-year-old nephew figured that one out. Yeah, I don't know. Man, this uh, quote from Rita Kimpley at WAPO is harsh. Let's hear it. T.S. Eliot called April the cruelest month, but he hadn't seen the January. <laughs> Bill is a mystery with romance and comedy. It is a damp sock of a movie. That makes you wish for a leap year. <laughs> yeah, on my letterbox review, I'll just read from this. As a romantic comedy, The January Man is terrible. But as a story about cops who yell a lot and work to find a serial killer, uh, not 
respect, it's also terrible. <laughs> yeah, Alan Rickman's actually not bad in it. It's the only part that's not awful. Um, there are some scenes there. There's some. There's some dialogue that is just. I don't know, man. It, it was it was hard to watch at times, and it, and for some reason, a lot of the dialogue is is yelled, but like yelled in a monotone manner. Like it's <laughs> it's Rod Steiger angry that he's having to say these words. I think I'll just uh, I don't know nice. who wrote this movie. I, um, John I, Patrick Shanley. Look him up. I feel like he's written good movies. The director has not directed good movies. Uh, yeah, he wrote Moonstruck. He wrote Moonstruck. So that's that's the thing is that like I, I think I read some critic guessing that after the success of Moonstruck, people were just like, "We'll we'll make any movie you've got. What do you got? Let's get something. Let's turn something out." He was like, "I got this old thing that nobody I couldn't sell five years ago, but he won a primetime Emmy for Live from Baghdad, and he won a Pulitzer, <laughs> and he wrote Doubt." Yeah. Yeah. He's got talent. He's got, yeah. He won a Pulitzer for Doubt at Parable in 05 and then won all the awards for Doubt the I, movie. I have to just hope he, he just... He won a Tony Award for Best Play. Jesus. Yeah. <laughs> it, this, I mean, it happens. People who are good sometimes are are really bad. This director's got a filmography of about 15 movies and I didn't recognize one of them. So. Mm. Could have been the direction. Yeah. Yeah. Well, obviously, I, I don't mean, want to jump on her. You have lines, you have lines of dialogue that are just screamed, just screamed at at times when they don't seem like they should be screaming. So I don't know if it's completely the script's fault, although the dialogue is pretty bad. So, oh yeah, yeah. So anyway, it, it's it's right. it is interestingly awful. I'll keep it off my list. Interestingly awful. Yes, you asshole. Um, <laughs> I went from being like on the. King of the Mountain in that fight, just losing it every week now. Nineteen ninety movie Jacob's Ladder, starring Tim Robbins. I've never seen it, but I I hear good things. It was pretty good. It was uh, crazy, right? (laughs) Yeah. So the movie starts with uh, well, it starts with a flashback to when he was in Vietnam, but it's a a Vietnam vet with PTSD, and uh, it's probably set in the mid seventies or so, and he's working as a postal worker. And he just starts having visions of, like, demons and whatnot. And a lot of just weird stuff starts happening to him. And I kind of, I don't know, the whole thing is sort of like a waking nightmare. And it's not really a movie with a a plot where you can go from point A to point B to point C Mm -hmm. easily. It's not like, and then this happened, and then this happened. It's it's more of just, uh, the the movie's good because it is a, a constant feeling of dread a constant like something is wrong what's wrong with him and it's about him trying to figure out why he's seeing these things uh the movie has would you call it horror real quick before you get off the uh yes yes not in a conventional sense but psychologically yes it's a psychological horror movie um i recommend it it's uh it's the kind of movie where I kind of don't want to talk too much about it until someone has seen it. Yeah, I know it's like got a lot of crazy. Mm-hmm. It's the same kind of. Yeah, so uh, I would. Uh, that's kind of all I really want to say on it is is that if you've never, because I'd never really, I guess I'd heard of it, but I never really had heard anything about it. I always knew that he pulled from. And I read this on Wikipedia, and it, one of my favorite short stories, so it stuck with me. But that he used an occurrence at Owl Creek Bridge as kind of a. I don't know how to say it, but in inspiration, I guess. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. Yeah. I was definitely thinking about that at the end of the movie. Nice. Yeah. Which. So don't go read that if you want to right, watch I was Jacob's Ladder. Yeah, <laughs> that's a. Uh... But after you watch Jacob's Ladder, go read it. It's a really good short story. Yeah. Although watching one or reading one before the other <laughs> is going to pretty much. Yeah, you, you could you could read it at Al Creek's Bridge quicker than you could read Watch Jacob's Ladder. Sure. Yeah. But it's it's it does a good job of simulating that nightmare feeling, which uh, is something I always enjoy. They're remaking it. Oh, interesting! Next year with a what looks like a predominantly African American cast. That'll be fun. Yeah, interesting. Uh, I watched a 1994 Robert Altman movie mm. called Ready to Wear or Pret-a-Porter. Uh, never seen it. I haven't seen a lot of Altman. 
Yeah, I haven't either. So I've been, you know, I watched the player last week, mm-hmm. and uh, I enjoyed the player. And this had uh, a lot of the same people in it: Tim Robbins, Julie Roberts, and an older Lauren Bacall. That's mm-hmm. interesting. It's got a the the old Italian actor from uh, Eight and a Half, Mastroianni. Mm-hmm. Marcello. Uh, mm-hmm. But boy, that movie's not good. It's well, that's sad. <laughs> yeah, it's real. It's real disappointing. Man, they had a bankable star in it at the time too, with Sophia Loren. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's. Uh, I don't know. It, it, all my movies are also just sort of hard to describe. They're just kind of... It's not really about any single thing. Right. It's about... I mean, when I just say it's about Fashion Week in Paris, that's all it's about. <laughs> right. And just how, like, 15 different characters interact with it. I'm surprised you've never seen it, just because I know Cass has a lot of interest in, in fashion. Knows more about it than anyone else we know. Right. But, uh, I'd be interested to see if she would enjoy this movie, or if she would hate it more than me. Like, I don't know. We'll have to check it out. We'll just stream it on. I'm not sure. Right. Uh, film, we'll, we'll Filmstruck, it. probably. So we'll just watch this for it. Or no, Hulu. It's on Hulu. Okay. Um, but yeah, it's... Have you, uh, have you seen... Not to derail you, but have you seen Gosford Park? I've not seen Gosford Park. That, that's the one that I would recommend. It's fun, and you would love it. It's okay. kind of Agatha Christie-ish. I really want to see Nashville, but it's just never streaming on anything. Yeah, Nashville is good. I've never seen it either. Um, but, uh... This is like, this movie is like an example of like why ensemble things can go really, really wrong if you don't have, I mean, there are, there are thread lines to some stories that just, they just get abandoned completely. I don't know. Like I, I feel really bad about Master Ani being in this movie just because he is, his character is so over the top and wasted. I don't know. All the movies are supposed to be comedies. They're better as satire, and I'm I know he was going for satire in this, but it just didn't really it just didn't really work for me. Yeah. Had an all star cast. Julia Roberts and Tim Robbins have absolutely nothing to do in this movie. But they like they're both uh reporters there to cover it and they both just they wind up having an affair. But literally their whole affair is just they're just on the bed. For the whole movie. Alright. They're just in bed with each other. And Weird. It's, yeah. It's not sexy or funny. Like, it's played more for comedy, but it's just sort of... It's it's a waste of time. It's just a complete waste of time. Weird. It does absolutely nothing for you. If you need any more uh, confirmation that the Golden Globes suck... Oh, yeah, I saw. <laughs> Nominated for Best Comedy yeah. at the Golden Globes. National Board of Review, though. They're, they're usually pretty good. But it was best acting by an ensemble, so it's not. And I'll tell you what this was. This was the player had come out two years earlier, and that was Altman's comeback movie. Mm-hmm. And everybody loved the player, and the player's good. And then he just comes out with this, and I think he it, because it had such an all star cast, and because it had Marcelo Mastroianni, and it had Sofia Loren, and just all these all these big names. Mm-hmm. I think, I think they nominated the movie without really thinking about the movie. I can, right. I can see that happening. Because um, they were kind of on this big... I remember Predaporte getting a lot of attention when it came out because because it was Altman and because it had Julia Roberts who was coming off Pelican Brief and My Best Friend's Wedding Pretty at the time. before that, yeah. Yeah, I mean, she was the biggest... Superstar, yeah. Right. And it was just a real piece of trash movie. <laughs> it's not good. Um. Yeah, he actually come off of the player and shortcuts back to back. Shortcuts was received well. Uh, that's the, another Tim Robbins one. I think yeah. I haven't seen it. Yeah, but I'm not even going to talk about the other movie I watched. It was it was just another bad. It was a <laughs> a bad movie. I was I was getting into Danny Aiello movies this week because he's in like all these movies. He's in Godfather Part Two. That's what. Yeah. Started it. Yeah, started I found it, it interesting and. uh is a movie called Brooklyn State of Mind, and it was just uh, as generic a movie as you could possibly find about like uh, someone spying on the mob boss. Hmm. But they do so with a camcorder that like sits up on his shoulder. 
No. Don't worry, TJ. <laughs> they stand in the shadow. So, so we can't see them. They just wear black. <laughs> She's it's like, I can't believe I can't believe that that's like the, the crutch of the movie. Is like here's how we got the mob boss. We didn't we didn't get him with like a small this came out this movie came out like the late nineties too. Mid to late nineties. So it's not like uh it's it's not like small cameras didn't exist. It's not like like surveillance equipment didn't exist. Or I don't know, they could have worn a wire or something, but instead to like got him on a with a with a with one of those eighties style camcorders that sits on your shoulder I really wanted a scene where right in the middle of where, where he was incriminating himself for her to just be like, can you hang on and have to change cassette tapes or something? Like, <laughs> and you know, pop it back in. It was, it was awful. The lead character in that movie was, is ridiculously bad at acting. Which is why if you look at the movie, you've never heard of that guy. <laughs> right. Um, but Danny Aiello plays the, the mob boss. And that's the point in Danny Aiello's career where he started just accepting any work whatsoever. Oh, uh, yeah. Yeah. But, uh... Sadly. Yeah. That's it. That's all I've, uh, that's all I watched. So, uh, didn't watch much TV or play anything of note. Um, so, I think it's time for... What's that? Man, it's breezy on these here streets. Breezy on these here streets. Breezy on the streets. All right, what we got news-wise? Emmy nominations. Emmy nominations are out. They're out. David and I posted an article. We fought, as we often do. How'd you do on your predictions? Uh, not horribly. I, I would. I, I didn't do the percentage. Well, I'll say this. David didn't do the percentage just like he often does. But uh, I beat him by two. Oh, we're both right around probably like 80 85 percent. Oh, that's pretty good. Yeah, seems good. Um, just some some highlights from the nominations. Uh, one thing I'm excited about: Will and Grace pretty much completely shut out, except for Megan Mullally. I feel like that was a kind of a shit show last year, where they got nominated for everything on their comeback. Yeah, I don't. I mean, I don't, and I don't. I know a lot of people love that show. I know it's not for me, and it's not that I think it's offensive to gay people. I just don't like all the gay jokes. I don't know why. They just, they're not funny to me. Well, that's the, I feel like it. There's so many of them. I haven't seen a lot of Will and Grace because it's, I found it generally hard to tolerate. I always really liked Will and Grace. Yeah. And if y'all know Cassandra, this is the most mind-blowing thing to me. She loves Megan Mullally's character, which just seems so bizarre because it's so awkward and just, her voice is just ear-piercing. I find Megan Mullally's character in that show... She's the only nomination, by the way. Yeah. And she always got nominated before, so there's something there. That makes sense. I like her. And it's, you know, I don't know. I think there was just... I think that that show had its place in the 90s. And I think maybe the the jokes played better in the 90s. I always liked the relationship between Will and Grace, though. I think think they're a, a... from the and I haven't seen a lot of episodes, but from the episodes I saw, I always found them to be a really good depiction of just friends. Maybe the biggest winner, oddly, out of this year's Emmy nominations is Saturday Night Live. Um, Kate McKinnon's been cleaning up at the Emmys for the past couple of years, but uh, fellow actresses, A.D. Bryant and Leslie Jones, both got nominated. Nice for supporting actress in a comedy. Uh, Alec Baldwin got nominated for SNL for supporting actor in a comedy and getting his first Emmy nomination Kenan Thompson got nominated nice yeah I like the I like the idea of nominating a lot of these people for uh, just even if it's just more of a you've done a great job over the years but do you think so I, I know a lot of reviewers and critics felt like this was one of the weaker seasons of SNL I think its peaks were very high. Yeah. And I think it was generally probably a little bit below average. Yeah. But I think it had some of the best episodes I've seen in a couple of years. Bill Hader, Donald Lover were great. And they both got nominated. That's good. Yeah. Nice. And uh, yeah, I guess I guess I'm wondering if I wonder if it seems like the uh, some of the nominations are uh, 
politically motivated because yeah, it could be. because I feel like Republicans really hate Saturday Night Live. Man, maybe right now. I mean, that's possible. Any um, award show is going to be Democratic, though. I mean, yeah, the entertainment industry just is. And I feel like they're willing to overlook the fact that it was a a fairly uneven season by most accounts. Yeah, it was definitely uneven. Having said that, though, I mean, I do think that. Eddie Bryant's really good on that show. Yeah. I, yeah. And Kate McKinnon, too. I'm not the biggest Leslie James fan, Me but. Either. Yeah. People love her. Mm-hmm. I love Keenan. Keenan is great. Kena. And, I mean, knowing what goes into it for them on these shows, they're all writers, too, which is just mind blowing to me. Mm hmm. Um, Anything else of note? Uh, What's, like, the most nominated shows? Well, here, I want to read. Uh. Game of Thrones, SNL, and Westworld are all tied for the best awards. Game of Thrones, was it, did they have, were they nominated for anything last year at the Emmys? No, they were not eligible. So this is that last season, finally getting to, okay. I actually don't think it should win uh, for best series, just because I thought the last season of Game of Thrones was, was... Uh, uneven. Your best drama. You mean two seasons ago? The the most recent season, I assume, is what is nominated here. Because the, we haven't had one since last summer. Correct. Yes. So, I. Uh, right. Yeah. I think it was my least favorite season of Game of Thrones. It had some great moments. I would have to go back. It's hard to remember what, what happens where. Mm-hmm. It's going up against The Americans, The Crown, The Handmaid's Tale, Stranger Things, This Is Us, and Westworld. I feel like it doesn't really have a shot, but I would... I'm, I'm a big fan of what they were able to do in Season 2 of Stranger Things. Yeah. So I, I'm glad it's here. Yeah. Uh, best comedies are Atlanta, coming back. Uh, Barry, Bill Hader also getting a Best Actor nomination for Barry. Blackish, which is a great show. If nobody's checked out Blackish, it's great. I like Blackish. It's fun to have a sitcom on TV. That's just a fun sitcom. Mm-hmm. Uh, Curb Your Enthusiasm's Return was nominated. Glow, The Marvelous Mrs. Maisel, which I've heard great things about and have never seen. Silicon Valley and The Unbreakable Kimmy Schmidt. For it's like six in a row, I feel like. Yeah. Um, I don't really have a lot of thoughts here. I guess I would just sort of pick... Atlanta, even though I haven't seen season two of Atlanta, I've heard just such great things. And I think it, I would imagine it should be the favorite, although Mrs. Maisel is also a really uh, strong competitor. Yeah. Uh, another bit of news there. Sandra Oh became the first uh, Asian-American woman nominated for Best Lead Actress in a Drama Series for oh. Killing Eve. Yeah. Cool. Yeah. I mean, there's, there's some other things. I mean, I can just sit here and read them all off. I'm trying to make sure I'm not leaving off anything that was kind of crazy. Ted Danson got a nomination for Best Actor for The Good Place for season two. So that's fun. Um, I think that's it, probably. Evan Rachel Wood for Westworld. I just know you're a fan. Don't you mm-hmm. like Mm-hmm. Yeah. I can tell you all the people that are going to lose to Sterling K. Brown for This Is Us. <laughs> but I won't do that. But yeah, I mean, I mentioned came out. There are articles up. It's not much of an article. It's just David and mine predictions and how I won. I feel like I need to gloat it whenever I beat David because it's rare. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, the little victories. Yeah. The little things that, that matter. Um, what other news do we have? I think we saw a, a movie sequel that got greenlit that I don't think anybody was expecting. <laughs> yeah, Zombieland. Zombieland 2. With the main four returning. Supposedly. Abigail Breslin, Emma Stone, Jesse Eisenberg, and Woody Harrelson. Mm-hmm. Not Bill Murray. <laughs> not Bill Murray. Bill Murray's the only person that will probably not... Well, I don't know. Who, who the hell knows? He could I be mean, a zombie. He could be a zombie. Yeah. Um, a real zombie. He's already done that once. Yeah. Yeah, so we got Wichita, Tallahassee. I don't remember. I can't remember the others. You asked that trivia one night, yeah. and I was so upset about it, because I was like, ah, they all sound right now. <laughs> Oklahoma? Sure. Columbus? <laughs> Columbus is He's Columbus. Right? Yeah. Emma Stone's Wichita. Yeah. So it's uh, Abigail Breslin's the one I don't know. Yeah. Because Woody Harrelson's Tallahassee. 
Yeah. We can edit this and make it sound <laughs> like one of the names, and you just say <laughs> like different tones. What you talk, Omaha, Columbus? Like you should know them all immediately. <laughs> Little Rock. Little Rock, yeah. Um, I really enjoyed Zombieland. I will, considering they took their time with it, you know, it doesn't feel like a cash grab, so maybe there's something interesting there. Yeah, but it's a fun movie, too. Yeah. And, uh, you know, maybe not Abigail Breslin, although it's hard to say she's on, like, a dip. But the other three have gotten, I mean, they've all been nominated for multiple awards since Zombieland came out. Yeah. Let me segue into... Speaking of Emma Stone, I saw a trailer this week for an Emma Stone movie. You've probably already seen the trailer. It's for The Favorite. Oh, I have not seen the trailer yet, but it's my... It and Black Klansman are my July picks for Best Picture winners. Favorite looks uh, like everything you want from a Yorgos Lanthimos movie. Really? <laughs> like, bad shit crazy. <laughs> I had no idea what it was going to be. I, I love that, like... Gonna be. I love that, like... Yorgos Lanthimos meets, you know... Historical drama. Historical biopic, yeah. It's, uh... It stars... I think the main star of the movie is Olivia Colman. Yeah. Who I love. Yeah, Olivia Colman. Um, and she looks like she's gonna be so good in this movie. <laughs> I am so excited about the favorite. Yeah. And it's a trailer that, like... It lets you know how nutty this movie's gonna be, and you still don't really know what it's gonna be about. Good. Perfect. Um, also saw another trailer this uh, week that uh, I'm very interested in, and that is, uh, God, I'm, I may not get the title right, but Mary Queen of Scots. Yeah. Um, it's another big Oscar push. That movie also looks really interesting. Is that the one with Margot Robbie? Or yeah. Sh- okay. It's Sharsha Ronan and uh, Margot yeah. Robbie. It's gonna, so it's going to get at least one nomination. My God. <laughs> they, they, I really want to see that movie. Yeah. Really uh, looks cool. While we're on trailer talk, I saw a trailer for a movie called Eighth Grade. And it looks delightful. Yeah. It looks like somebody finally got middle school. I don't know. I feel like for some reason in movies, it's always like junior high and high school. And there's never a middle school thing. But middle school fucking sucked. <laughs> Wait, I always thought junior high was middle school. Well, I mean, I think junior high in some places is seventh and eighth grade. And elementary school or grade school went to sixth grade. But then like most of my parents and their friends went to school from first grade to eighth grade. And then went to high school. Right. So there was no... They called that junior... Junior high was the other school. But I mean, that might be like a rural southern Georgia thing. Yeah, that's I don't know. it. I don't know. Anyway. But anyway, 8th grade looks great. It looks like they pinned it. Everybody looks awkward. The lead girl looks like she's going to be phenomenal in it. Written and directed by Bo Burnham. Bo Burnham. Another... There have been a lot of debuts this year. And good ones. Mm-hmm. They're hitting well. But I mean, I'm excited for 8th grade. Movies are going to start rolling out. We've had a kind of a slow summer. It's been nice not being. I can go to the movies once a week. I don't have to like put in a lot of legwork. Mm-hmm. And come August September, it's like we gotta have a movie a day now. <laughs> There's too much to see. Yeah, I'm excited. About it. I haven't seen the trailer, but I'm I've heard amazing things about that movie. We should watch know. all those trailers in between because I want to see the ones I didn't see. Yeah. Oh yeah, you should watch as soon as we hit stop on this. We're watching the favorite uh, nice. trailer. Um. Uh, a couple other bits of news. There's some Star Wars news, Brent. That's fun. Not really news, but just Ooh, exciting stuff. I think I read this. Yeah. You know so what? we had a couple of new cast members for uh, Episode Nine that have been apparently confirmed. One is Carrie Russell is going to be uh, joining the Star Wars movie in some capacity. Don't know what. That's fine. And then uh, I think something that's not sh- it's not surprising, but it's exciting to hear and get confirmed is that. Billy D. Williams, that's right, Mr. William Williams. <laughs> gonna play Two-Face in Star Wars. He's <laughs> gonna be retu- returning to his iconic role of Harvey Dent <laughs> in Star Wars Episode 9. Star Wars, the two faces. Yeah, so... No, but yeah, Billy D. back. Everybody wants Billy D. Everybody man. loves Billy D. Williams, <laughs> yeah. so I think, I think that's a that's a win. I feel um, like we should have saved this little, little bit of news for last, but uh, the Walking Phoenix Joker movie is as green as green can get. Yep. It is happening. That is happening to give us yet another Joker. It's and crazy that he can do this. And this might be the, his reasoning is, I can make this movie. I can be the third best Joker ever and still be great. Yeah. But is this going to be part of the DC Extended Universe with with 
Also, Jared Leto as Joker in... I don't know. Jared Leto, last I read, like, loved that role and thought he could do more with it if they weren't, like, if they didn't edit the character to hell. Like, he was proud of it. I think he still wanted to do it, but I don't know. Yeah. I think people were like, no, the backlash on you was too much. But I think the backlash on him was just because he was in a shitty movie. It's part of it, although I think he's... For me, he was one of the reasons it was shitty. He wasn't in it enough for me to say that, I don't even yeah. think. He was in it for like six minutes. And the scene with him, like the torture scene, I thought he was really good. I thought visually, like he definitely looked like a, a comic book joker. Yeah. Like in a, in a cool way. But there was just something about, something of his portrayal just didn't do it for me. But yeah. I don't know what the hell Joaquin Phoenix is. I don't know be. what other angle there is. No, I really hope there's they don't been try like, to explain away some origin. I would hope he wouldn't want to be a part of that. But See, I think with Joker, what they should do, and maybe it's just because Joaquin Phoenix is in this that made me think of this, they should have like eight different people play the Joker in a Joker movie. Like Dr. Parnassus kind of style? Just, just, I mean, because that's the thing about Joker is he's so hard to nail down as to like, you never know. this is his motivation. This is They should just do eight different origins for the Joker. They're all true. None of them are true. Because he's the Joker. He didn't give a shit. He's not sad because he had a rough childhood. He's fucking crazy. He just likes, he likes, yeah, terrorizing people. Uh-huh. So anyway. Yeah. Yeah, but I think that's about all the news. Uh, oh yeah, we got some movies coming out this weekend. We do have some movies coming out this weekend. Uh, a trio of sequels. Alright. If I can remember them all. Equalizer 2. Equalizer 2. Mamma Mia. It's called Here, Here We Go Again? Yeah, because it's the line of the song. song. Yeah. yeah. I just had a trivia one night, too. Were you there for that? Uh, Here We Go Again is the subtitle for No, I wasn't there. 2018 sequel. It's Bad Social. It's great. Here We Go Again. Everybody was like, <laughs> We were so mad. What's that going to be about? Because uh, it's, it's like another young girl? Yeah, it's it's her. She's pregnant. Amanda Seyfried is pregnant. She's not the main star of the movie, right? No, it tells the story of Meryl Streep's character coming to Sicily. Oh. Here we okay. go again. Okay. Same story, gotcha. different character. Gotcha. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Right. Same songs. Um, we don't know what the Equalizer is going to be about necessarily, but I can guess. And uh, what's the third one? Oh. The Unfriended. Whore. Unfriended. The Dark Net. <laughs> I think that's what called? it's called, yeah. Or the Dark Web. So, I don't know. Uh, so, what would I pick out of those three, having not seen any of the originals? You've seen two and a half. Yeah, I feel like I've seen. I feel like I've seen Mamma Mia, but I don't think I actually have seen Mamma Mia. You liked Unfriended, though, didn't you? I really liked both of those movies. They were both surprises. I did not have high expectations going into either one. I thought so you got a fun question then. Which one do you most want to see the next bit of? I'm most interested to see what the hell Unfriended 2 could be about. I will say I'm least interested in Mamma Mia, I think. Um, I'm most confident that Equalizer 2 could be a good movie. Okay. Because it's, uh, I, I, as long as it's got the same director, I don't know who's directing the, the sequel, but I think the first one was directed by Antoine Fuqua. And yeah, I directed uh, the... King Arthur movie with Clive Owen and the remake of the, the, not the Dirty Dozen, Magnificent Seven. That would make sense because he is, uh... That's Anton Fuqua, I'm pretty yeah, sure. Yeah, it's Denzel. Denzel's favorite director, I would think, it seems, and, uh, yeah, he directed the first one, he's directing the sequel, okay. and, uh, the first one was, was very good, um... Training Day, yeah. So I don't, I don't necessarily think it needed a sequel, but at the same time, I'll probably watch it when it gets to HBO or something at some point. This is a movie I would happily click play on. So what would you pick for going to the theater, though? Going to the theater? I mean, I guess if I'm picking one of these three, I'm probably picking The Equalizer 2. I'm going to go against my gut. The year of the horror movie. Horror movies are on a rise the past two years. I'm going to take Unfriended. Unfriended? Yeah, I could see that. It could be... I don't know. Even though most sequel to horror movies are pretty shitty. That's, that's, that's my pick. So, yeah. I'll take Unfriended, Brent. 
So all we, all we can jointly recommend is don't watch Mamma Mia. Here we go again. Correct. Yeah. Cool. Uh, all right. This has been Talkie Talk, podcast for the media by us. Thanks for listening. Get online and see our stuff at themediabyus.com. You can engage with us on our Facebook groups, Games by Us, Movies by Us, TV by Us. Check out us on Twitter at Media by Us, and you can contact us on Gmail at MediaByUs at gmail.com. Uh, rate and subscribe to our podcast on any podcasting app of your choice. Uh, we're also looking into, hopefully soon, possibly being on Spotify. That's yeah, we, we can be. We just gotta. We gotta figure out how to do the legwork. Yeah, we're gonna <laughs> figure out how to do that. It's. Here's what we've done. We've found the article that's like 12 steps to get your, your podcast on... That's uh, 11 steps on, too many. On, ...on Spotify. And I was like, okay, save for later. And that was uh, that. was that. So, uh, But yeah, no, we appreciate the ratings and uh, we appreciate the subscriptions and all the listeners. We want to thank our intro-outro music. Thanks to the Willow Walkers. Willow Walkers! And thanks to Burifa. Burifa! And that'll do it. Thanks, TJ. Yeah, man. And thanks, Brent. Bye. Thanks.